You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 39. This is a Matt Bolesky episode. Nice. In honor of Matt Bolesky. Uh, I'm Evan Marinovsky here with Connor Ryan at Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how are we doing? Evan, I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm good. I got a haircut. I'm all, you know, fresh up. People watching on YouTube, uh, you will see that uh, a little bit of a different. Well, it's the same thing I always get, but you know, a little fade on the side. Not bad. Not bad. Way to welcome in spring. Get the, uh, you know, the head on the, the hot air. Even though... Uh, Friday is supposed to be snow. Yeah, that's not ideal. That's not good for like the aerodynamic kind of, you know, and it's like nice 70, 80 degrees, a little bit of wind, wind in your face, but not when it's snowing. That's not ideal. So no, no. But anyways, uh, Bruins, the Bruins, Bruins. the new acquisitions are on the team and they all played Tuesday night against Buffalo. Now uh, we here, you and I, we, we, we don't ever really overreact, do we? We never, never. we never overreact. Never. Never. Overreact is not our thing. But we're going to do some way too early look-ins, judging these guys off one game. So we're going to judge all three of them off of one game, um, which is fair. Uh, everyone's going to be doing that, so might as well join in on that kind of fun. Um, but so we'll go guy by guy in, in how we thought they looked in their first look. Uh, against the Sabres. Let's start with Anders Bjork. <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, dude, dude almost scored the OT goal, which would be like the most Bruins development ever is Anders Bjork finally breaks through in the scoreboard and it's against the Bruins in overtime. I just loved how the first goal was uh, Bjork to Miller. And that was two yep. former Bruins just sticking to their old team. And the most, like, that. Only, I think that only happens to the Bruins. If it definitely doesn't happen everywhere else too, but like it only happens to the Bruins yeah, the, where it, that it's, happens. It's a, a thing with the franchise where like that happens to other teams like oh what a coincidence for the Bruins it's like eh, that's about right that of course that's gonna freaking happen like, like you know as, and we said this for weeks up to the deadline you knew wherever Jake DeBrusque went if he was to get traded he would be a 30 goal scorer no problem oh, of course. like he goes to yeah. Nashville that guy's lighting that place up um so uh yeah no surprise that, and by the way I hope Bjork scores a million goals uh with Buffalo I hope he does fantastic um i really do i I, like we said we need to change the scenery um let's start with taylor hall because that is obviously the hot topic number 71 out there looks like evgeny malkin um the 2005 mark savard i think oh five oh six mark savard had uh yeah he had 71 oh five oh six was uh no savard was oh six oh seven that was oh six oh seven yeah it was oh six oh seven the the, uh yeah that was the first year for him him and char together 
Yes, because 05, 06 was Thornton, and then he left. The, the, the classic Dave Lewis era. The Dave Lewis era of one year. Um, yes. But so Taylor Hall uh, against the Sabres had a very, a very good night. Uh, he had three shots. Two of them were in overtime. Uh, Should have had an assist on that Craig Smith goal. By the way, uh, in a group chat I have with some people I do work with for Bruins CLNS, they said, let's set, do some predictions for Taylor Hall tonight. I said, Taylor Hall is going to assist on a Craig Smith goal. And I was, I was pretty much right. I mean, come on. I was pretty right there. Uh, but what did you think of Taylor Hall? Yeah. I think if you're a, Bru- uh, if you're the Bruins, you have to be encouraged with what you saw. Um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, after the game, you saw a few like national uh, people kind of react with like, I think I saw, I forget who it was. It was someone up in Canada that was like, uh, well, you saw from this game, the Bruins have the work cut out for them with Taylor Hall. Like, guy's not confident. He's really got to build his confidence back up, which, I mean, he's he's admitted that, that he needs to build his game back up. But I don't know how you saw anything from the game that gives you, like, a red flag of, like, oh, this guy's really fighting the puck. I mean, it's his first game with a new team. Hasn't played in 10 days, if you forget about it. The guy was literally was on the uh, – was held out of games. Um, learning a new system, so – you know, I don't know if people were expecting him to to score a hat trick uh, in his first game. But, you know, I think he started off a little slow. I think he had to kind of adjust to new line mates. He had that kind of that bad turnover, that kind of that spin around pass that went to a Sabre instead of a Bruins. Like, yes, uh, a little tentative at, at the start. But I think as the game went on, he got more comfortable. Um, I think where you really kind of noticed him, especially was uh, transition wise, Um very, very kind of assertive and smooth through the neutral zone. Um, got a lot of, uh, I mean, easy is the right word, but was able to manufacture a lot of pretty clean zone entries, which has usually been an issue for this team um, in terms of kind of getting that momentum back. So I think especially uh, moving forward against maybe more physical teams like the Islanders or the Capitals, where they're really trying to, you know, hem you in your zone, having a guy like Hall who can kind of support a guy like McAvoy or, or Grizzlick and, and get the puck moving. I think can be a, a big a big difference maker um, in terms of just helping out that group. So I, I think if you're the Bruins as the you know, the first step, I think you have to be encouraged. It wasn't you know I, I don't get the, the negative drawbacks from people saying that you know he he looked like he was you know out of it or or anything like that. Like he was shaking off the rust. Uh, seemed like he was fitting pretty well with Craig Smith and David Krejci. Granted, like Craig Smith might be scoring on any line you put him on right now. The guy's just on fire. So which is good news for the Bruins, right? That gives them an actual finisher on that line. Um, but I don't know. I think you have to be encouraged. And I think maybe the one thing people were concerned about, you know, there's the, the narrative about, you know, Taylor Hall not playing winning hockey or being a dog because he was on some bootleg teams. But uh, I think his attention to details as the game went on were pretty good. I mean, he had that good uh, back-checking effort to really break up that last chance Buffalo had in overtime. Um, you know, he was engaged down the other end of the ice, which I think is encouraging. So, I think for a first step, I don't really know how you have to be discouraged of why what you saw because the chances were there, right? He wasn't burying them. He still has to work on it a little bit. But as a first kind of audition, it seemed like he fit pretty well in that second line. Yeah, there were some defensive uh, coverage issues I saw early in the game with him where he wasn't in the best possible position in his own zone. But again, like that stuff, you know, it it, it worked out over the course of the game and I don't expect that to be. Uh, something that hampers him as the the season rolls along here. But everything you said, I mean, he, he looked assertive enough. Again, and those zone entries are so important, especially with that crazy yeah. line. Um, and again, and, and you know, we said this when they first acquired him earlier this week. Like, you know, he he's great at setting guys up, 
And with a guy like Craig Smith, that works. That works out really well, even though the assist that he should have got uh, mm-hmm. went off a saber and it was kind of like a behind the back, you know, throw it behind, yeah. you know. So there will probably be some, or there should be some better passes and better setups uh, with Taylor Hall. But overall, I mean, I, I like, I really, I thought he was good. I thought he was fine. Like, again, you know, that solidifies your top six. Um, and I think the top six, you know, I think DeBrusque might get a look uh, with Krejci and, uh, and Hall at some point. But I think for the most part, if your top six is a mix of Marshan Bergeron, Pasternak, Smith, Krejci, and Hall, you have a top six. That's a legit top six. Yes. That's a top six that, if healthy, can make a run. So, and so, and we'll get to the, the third line uh, later on in the episode. They're, they've actually been a pretty good bet. But if you want to get an even better bet, you go to Bet Online. Absolutely. Listen up, guys. It's an it's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. Goodness. The NBA is back in full swing. Bruins hockey has returned. And yes, the Red Sox are back and they are winning. They are going, if you want to place a bet, let me go right to the World Series. It's probably a popular bet right now. But listen, even if you guys haven't made it back to Fenway or the Garden just yet, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the players at play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. And we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to Bet Online and enter promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, no one beats that. Nobody beats that. No, no one beats that. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50, that's C-L-N-S-50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Oh, there now. Um, so I actually, you know who I thought stood out the most out of the three acquisitions? Curt- uh, Curtis Lazar. I thought that, soli- that fourth line was good. And he solidified that fourth line. Like that... Kind of reminded me of the, the glory days of Corrali Wagner and uh, and Nolachari, um, and I and and Curtis Lazar again. He's quick, he's physical, he loves getting in uh, in in the dirty areas. He loves hitting guys around. And you have to think like they've always liked Corrali on the wing. You know, if Corrali and Wagner recently have been a lot better, I think Wagner uh, sitting and watching those games definitely helped him out a lot. You add Lazar to that, you might have a real legit fourth line there again. Yeah, I think I agree with you that I think Lazar was the most notable guy out there. Um, and the his presence and his impact was really evident. I mean, I think we've talked about it multiple times. Obviously, the fourth line has really struggled to gain traction uh, for consistent stretches this year. You can even make the case that last year was kind of more or less the same thing. They really kind of struggled to, you know, regain that kind of presence they had when it was Corrali, Wagner, and Achari back in uh, 2019. But no, they were dynamic. I mean, uh, I think Lazar, who, you know, even I think on probably most teams, like the Sabres is probably a third line guy. If you put him uh, with his skill set on a fourth line, I think you've got a really elevated uh, grouping right there. And yeah, it seems like that whole line was just clicking so much better, especially offensively. Like, I think what stood out to me is, you know, Lazar, uh, good skater, physical, right? Was keeping pucks in, was winning board battles, the stuff you expect out of a fourth line, but also he had a, to me, he had a really good touch with the puck, too. Like, I can't remember the last time in which 
that fourth line was extending ozone possessions, not just because of winning, you know, puck battles, but because they were, you know, making tape to tape passes. Lazaro was protecting the puck, making space, feeding the puck down low to a guy like that was waiting for the puck. And, you know, Corrali and Wagner wasn't just like full on, you know, uh, you know, crash down low and, and bang bodies and, and try to recover the puck. It was a lot of offensive execution, which I think if you're the Bruins, you have to be encouraged by that. Right. Like I, I think they were still deployed very heavily as a defensive group. I think only 14% of their uh, face-offs were set in the offensive zone, but I think the Bruins had about uh, like 11 shot attempts during that time they were out there, which is significant. It means you're spending most of your time down the other end of the ice executing uh, and getting those chances. So yeah, I think that's, you know, I don't know if maybe game changer is the right word, but in terms of addressing a need, yes, everyone knows you have to get Hall because he fills out the top six, which has been a flaw in this team for years now. You need a guy like Riley because you need depth on the on the blue line. But you look at kind of uh, a key cog in a lot of these really promising cup runs for the Bruins over the years. It's been a impactful fourth line that can take D-zone stats uh, negate top six forwards and contribute on the other end of the ice, especially. And if Lazar has been that missing piece, then it makes an already seems like a steal for the Bruins with the Sabres deal even better. Cause I mean, Lazar is a guy that seems like he can impact the game right away. And you have him under term for next year at $800,000. So uh, obviously just one game. Uh, I think, you know, the, the fourth line can kind of vary in how well they do game to game depends on, you know, who their matchups are, but I don't know how you can't be really encouraged by what you saw from that group in game one. Yeah. I mean, again, if, if I'm very interested to see how Lazar does against another team's top line, like when they go against mm-hmm. uh, the caps or the Islanders, how, uh, if Cassidy matches that fourth line up in just a regular season game, um, against their top lines to see how they do. Um, and again, come playoff time, I would imagine if this fourth line continues to go the way it goes, you would have that line against the other, whoever your opponent is, uh, their top trio. The other interesting thing is whether or not Trent Frederick makes his way back onto that line. They've been kind of wary with him because he's had this illness that I guess he's had to get his lungs back up. And I wonder what kind of happened there. No, no one really knows. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he finds his way back onto that fourth line. Cause it feels like right now, and we'll get, again, we'll get to the third line in a bit. It feels like the top nine are pretty set at yeah. the moment, unless there's injury. I don't really see those top nine moving around a bit. And I don't think they should necessarily, um, cause again, Kasha is probably not coming back this season. I would, that's not informed. I just think that probably is going to be the case. Um, and I don't know if Frederick makes it back in, um, to the top nine. Let's get to the next acquisition, Mike Riley. It was nice to see a defenseman get a shot through from the point on the left side who wasn't Matt Grizzlick. Um, looked good. I mean, I like, again, it was cool to have a competent left shot defenseman back there who wasn't Matt Grizzlick. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It was better than <laughs> when when you get blown up by the Cats 8-1. I think any warm body that uh, plays better is, is welcome there. But no, I think especially you have to be encouraged by just, you know, puck movement, uh, you know, breakouts. And again, kind of walking the blue line and getting those shots through. I mean, I think you saw it with the David Krejci goal where that was the byproduct of just Jeremy Lozon identifying a shooting lane, taking it and leading to a, a great A chance that uh, Krejci was able to bury. I mean, it's not uh, reinventing the script in terms of, you know, generating ozone chances, but the Bruins have really struggled with, with that this year. So, um, yeah, I think you have to be encouraged by what Riley showed. And I, I think especially when you take kind of the longer look at this decor and what Riley brings when you have healthy bodies back there. I mean, I think ideally 
you know, we've talked about it multiple times, but just how good McAvoy and Grizzly got together. Now that you have a guy like Riley who can move the puck, he kind of fills in that role with Brendan Kahlo that you kind of were towing the line with when you had Grizzly there. So if you're able to have Riley with Kahlo and giving that that second pair a, a puck-moving presence and keeping McAvoy and, and Grizzly together, who have been just a buzzsaw when they've been out there together, uh, I think you have to be very encouraged because even if Mike Riley's not a guy like Ekholm or one of these established, you know, top 20 defensemen, just having his presence and what he can bring to this team really changes the whole outlook of this course once you have everyone back healthy. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the interesting thing is, again, if you could have a top four of Grizzly McAvoy, Riley Carlo, that's good. Like, that's that's a good top four right there. And then if you want to have Lazan and Miller or whatever it is, speaking of Miller, by the way, holy crap. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get Tage Thompson wanting to, you know, stand up for his teammate there, but good God, man. Like, when it's Kevin Miller, I feel like you're just going to be like, you know what? It's I'm good for now. I'm good for now. Cause he got killed. It's one of those things too, where usually when a guy's getting absolutely worked in a fight, you usually hear, you know, people in the garden losing their minds yelling when he landed that right hook. I think everyone went the garden was like, Oh, Oh shit. Like, Oh, <laughs> is he all right? Like it, it goes right out of the way when you like connect a hook like that. So uh, yeah, it is still a, uh, not a good decision to fight Kevin Miller. Yeah. I was just say, I feel like when, when a guy actually lands like a big blowing punch like that, that like, it's not just like, you know, one to the, cause sometimes those punches look big and they just hit the chest or they'll like mm-hmm. kind of skim guy's head. Like I remember when yeah. Char was fighting Evander Kane that time. I don't know if those actually connected with his face and like yeah. they just kind of hit his head. But when mm-hmm. you just connect with a guy straight across the face and it, Kevin, and Kevin Miller, I think Kevin Miller does like boxing lessons and stuff. Like, Ke- like he's a fighter. Like that guy fights. Yes. Um, and so I don't know. I, I, Kevin Miller is probably the last guy in the Bruins that want to fight if I was an opposing yes. player. I think yes. by far. Uh, yes. and that's been the, that way for a while. The Bruins always have like a right shot, kind of like sixth defenseman who just beats the bag out of guys. That was McQuaid for a while. Uh, then Kevin Miller. And they, and when they were on the ice together, I mean, Jesus couldn't do anything mm. to the other team. Um, so let's get to the third line. Cause this is an interesting third line. Richie, Coyle, DeBrusque. Now we've always kind of said if the Bruins are to win a cup, if the Bruins are to be cup contenders, you're going to need DeBrusque on that third line. He's not really quite a top six forward or consistent enough to be a top six forward. Um, and again, they went to the cup with DeBrusque um, as a second line left wing and he did fine. Uh, but again, the inconsistencies kind of crept in and this year, obviously for DeBrusque hasn't been what he wanted. Now you have that established top six. You got this, uh, this third line and the third one looks pretty good. Does it stay together though? Uh, I think right now it's going to have to, right? I mean, I think Bruce Cassidy really wants to make an effort of keeping these top three lines together. And I think you have to be encouraged by what you saw from Coyle and DeBrusque, especially in that in that first game. I mean, even if they weren't rewarded with points on, on the board, uh, I think both those guys are very active, very engaged, uh, active along the boards, especially for DeBrusque, which I think it's going to be uh, – the main challenge for that line is you need to brush to start finishing those chances to get that third line, some, some juice. Um, and I think it's all going to come down to how well he adjusts to being on the right side. Cause it's obviously not his usual position. He has to adjust to it a little bit, but uh, if he can, you know, start catching in some of those chances if Charlie Coe can start heating up, it changes the whole complexion of the overall look of the lineup. Right. Because I mean, you even saw it, I think when, uh, the fourth line really gets rolling and they start stringing together some good shifts, how much that carryover and momentum impacts the rest of the team. Same with Coyle when he's possessing the puck 
and, you know, draining the other team. And it's, you know, opening the door for easier matchups for them when the Bergeron line hops over the boards or the Krejci line. Uh, I think you see that with, with Coil when those guys are really going. So uh, it's definitely maybe not as much of a, a sure bet as uh, what you would get probably from the Bergeron line or Krejci line right now, just based on the way that Craig Smith is playing. But um, I think you definitely have something to work work off of there. It's not like these guys aren't proven to be to produce points, you know, in the past. Like we know what Coyle did in the postseason two years ago. We know what DeBrus can do when he gets hot. Richie's been a, a pleasant surprise this year. So it's not like, you know, what it was uh, in, in the dark days of like 2018 when it was like Jacob Forsbacher, Carlson, and these guys, uh, Ryan Spooner, and these are the third line guys that you maybe they'll break through. Like you've got legitimate talent there, just how well you kind of utilize them. So that one's maybe not as much of a, a sure thing, but there's definitely a foundation there for them to kind of really break through. The best was uh, when I was cleaning out my, uh, I was cleaning out my desk at home over winter break. And I came across like the first sports game I ever covered. I think it was uh, 2018, uh, the fall. It was a November game. And the third line was just wild. Like it just wasn't your normal guys. It was just like, yes. it was crazy. Um, but yeah, no, this third line seems pretty good. Again, I'd love to see a little more um, with, of them kind of being together again, Coyle and DeBrusque both kind of inconsistent with the points. So it's like, maybe you put them together, maybe the consistency comes back. Um, but again, I'm excited to see uh, what that third line can do. So that's that. That's the new look Bruins. The new look Bruins are one game in uh, and they got to win. It was a shootout win, but they still got to win. Um, Connor, before I let you go, is there anything that the listeners can go look forward to at Boston Sports Journal? Yeah, we're going to be obviously breaking down. I think uh, people want to, Get our all of our thoughts on how these new look guys do, especially in the first few games. Small sample size, as we always say, but people people want their takes, right? So we'll be breaking down those takes how, in. Of course. So we're breaking down how Hall looks, especially over these key couple of games against the Islanders. It's an early measuring stick for this kind of new look Rasta. Um, so we're breaking those down. Obviously, Tuka Rass is expected to be back on Thursday uh, for the game against the Islanders. So. We'll see how he fares and what could be an interesting discussion down the road where Halak should be back pretty soon, but Jeremy Swayman's playing pretty well. So maybe that's a discussion for another podcast next week as we get kind of closer to that. So I was going to uh, say, that's another, that's a, that's another, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> yes. Uh, but that we will probably be exploring that on bostonsportschannel.com. So subscribe over at BSJ. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. So trade Tuca column is coming to bostonsportsjournal.com. Of course, yes. There we go. Absolutely. Trade Tuca. Trade Tuca. But spell it. I, fin- T- I finally I finally folded. Yeah. T-R-A-E-D. Can't be yes. T-R-A-D-E. It's T-R-A-E-D. Uh, trade Tuca. Uh, at any rate, though, that has been Poke the Bear episode 39. God bless Matt Bolesky. Uh, for Seal Nuss Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan to Boston Sports Journal. You Poke the Bear listeners. Have an amazing rest every day. <laughs>